0: Welcome to this episode of Frosty Thoughts. Today, I'm gonna to be going over, at least personally, my top 10 movies of 2019. Now, just a couple disclaimers. Um, I'm only human, and I am still going to school, so I have not seen every single movie that has come out in 2019. Therefore, if maybe a movie you think is really good or, you th- or wasn't included on this, um. That might be why. So I'm just going to kind of go over my uh, top 10 personal mov- personal favorite movies of 2019 that I've seen, give some pros, give some cons. Uh, yeah, let's get to it. Um, number 10, I have Toy Story 4. Now, I wasn't actually looking forward to this uh, first installment, or not first, uh, uh, the newest installment. It just seemed really unnecessary to me. I like the ending of Toy Story 3 and it seemed to kind of wrap up um, as a nice little trilogy It had a very natural ending in the third one so when I first heard about the new Toy Story I was a little on edge then I ended up going to see it and I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised it was uh, made Um, I still don't think it was necessary but I wouldn't say that they shouldn't have made it, if that kind of makes sense. It isn't too terribly counterintuitive. Um, Just kind of some of my cons. that's gonna sound weird for a kids movie but I really liked Lotso the pink bear from Toy Story 3 I thought he was a good villain kind of a good juxtaposed to the protagonists of Woody and Buzz and the whole Andy's game um, and I won't I'll try not to spoil anything uh, in any of the movies I talk about so I won't say who the villain exactly is but they didn't do quite as good of a job with them and they're uh, motivation seemed almost like a little bit they were just kinda like bleeding over from Lotso. Um some characters were just kinda played for jokes. Um, and that's kinda kinda that's gonna be a reoccurring theme when I talk about like some like cons. When a char- when you can take a character out of a film and the plot and the characters end up exactly the same, you kinda question the existence and how necessary that character is. and... I mean, it being a kids movie, it has to kind of keep entertainment, it has to, like, keep that younger audience, but, um, so maybe it's just, it's not intended for me, but I get that, but there are also adults who are watching it, and I feel that, uh, uh come on, you got to appeal to all audiences here. Um, great movie, uh, Pixar does it again, I'm always nervous when a cartoon or anything, honestly, gets a sequel, but knocked it out of the ballpark again, uh, animation is fantastic, um, as, um, as you can, you can expect as, uh, technology develops, uh, the voice acting is really good, I like how they've kept the original cast of Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, uh, they're great in their respective roles, and there are some movies There are some scenes in this movie that are just a punch to the gut. I personally didn't cry, but the friend I was seeing it it with did cry. Um, one, not necessarily a con, definitely not a pro, just more of a note. It had a fair amount of jump scares. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen that there are like ventriloquist dummies or used by the main villain, and there were at least, I didn't... the exact number, but there were at least four jump scares by these dummies or by something, and it startled me. Not because I'm like jump scares are super effective on me, but you don't walk into a kid's movie expecting that. Um, overall, no, a great, great film. I was really happy I see it. Um, I'll probably watch it again sometime if I was sitting down with the family. Uh, number nine. Is uh, Spider-Man Far From Home? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's Spider-Man. What's what's there not like about it? Um, yeah, No, it, it's great. It's just it's the next continuation, kind of the MCU Spider-Man. We have Tom Holland still reprising his role as Peter Parker in Spider-Man with the younger, kind of high school take on it. Um, just kind of let's get the cons out of the way first. That's just kind of how I like to structure things because I think if if the last note you're left on is a pro, and since this is a top ten best, um, I'll reverse the order for my worst list. But since this is a top ten best, I like to like leave you with like a good kind of like taste in your mouth, like with the pros. So some cons I found were it's really similar to Marvel films. Um, the villain has a very similar mode of motivation in that he's motivated by kind of his hatred towards Tony Stark. We've seen that in so many Marvel movies now. Um, and, and they are shown to have like good villains, Thanos and Loki and Killmonger. I know Killmonger was only in Black Panther, but at least he had a motivation that was original and believable. Um, there's a problem when you uh, your main characters are portrayed as high schoolers, you're gonna have some humor that feels unnatural, I think it's especially easy to see that as being a high schooler, kind of win some cringe, and not in the, oh, that's really, like in kind of the office type of cringe, just in um in kind of a, the, yeah, that's not how real people act kind of way. Um, pros great action scenes and special effects, there's this, like, effect where, like, Spidey's suit keeps getting burned, and you can see it, like, the melting of the fabric, I I, I love that, like, attention to detail, um, good acting, um, I know I was kind of saying that some of them had, like, unbelievable lines, but it was all really well acted, um, some of the leads had really good chemistry, and, uh, clever humor, yeah, um, Spider-Man movie, they're gonna include some humor, and, there are some times where it does feel a little unnatural in force, but overall, really good. Yeah. Um, if you're de- if you're a fan of superhero movies, or even just Spider-Man, it's definitely good. Yeah, definitely check it out. Number six, or er, six, um, number eight is Midsomar. Yeah, I know, kind of quite the jump. We had Pixar, then Marvel, then uh, a horror movie that made me gag. <laughs> I I don't gag too often. I usually get too much to eat when I'm the, when I'm at the movies anyway, so that probably doesn't help. Um, there are going to be less and less cons as we go through the list since the movies are getting better in quality, in my opinion. Again, disclaimer: this is all my opinion. If you don't like it, cool. Um, to each their own. Um, cons, there were, again, I don't m- mean to sound like a broken record, but joke characters, man, joke characters. When you can take a character out of the film and it does nothing, like nothing is really affected. There's this one who, um, he keeps pulling out, like, an e-cig. I thought it was really funny, and my friends and I kind of giggled too, because it was at random times, and you could tell he was sup- supposed to be the con. I mean, the e thing was red too, to like, pull your attention, um, but besides that, I didn't really have any problems with the movie, the cinematography was amazing, um, with some amazing shots, and the foreshadowing, my god, um, I really want to watch this movie again, just so I can pick up on like, more of the foreshadowing bits, my friends and I were blabbing about it after we saw it, um, shock factor horror is used really well, I think there's one jump scare, but I don't even know if that was meant to be a jump scare and I've just been me being startled. Um the music is super good. It definitely combines like kind of that southern European and like cult like mentality and aesthetic to it while like kind of entertaining a modern audience. The setting was really good. I, I can't think of the last time I saw a horror movie where the majority of the film was shot in broad daylight and still managed to be pretty freaky. Um, it's not going to, like, scare you out of your pants, but it's the kind of movie that almost is like a parasite. Like, it, it digs itself into your mind and just doesn't let go, and it sticks with you, and that's, I, I love that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a great modern horror. I think, actually... Yeah, it's the only horror movie uh, on my list. Not to say that there weren't great ones, um, I thought Us was good, I might, I don't know why I'm going into that now, I might just do a review of that later, but, um, uh, yeah, so Midsommar, check it out if you like horror, it's a great take on modern horror. Moving on to number seven, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this is the ninth film by, uh, Quentin Tarantino guy who's famous for having the super quotable dialogue and using the n-word all the time in his more period piece movies and get and don't um uh, and this definitely is a, a period piece although it's not like it, it's not like the western like old west or it's like world war ii it, it is in fact a period piece I, I was watching kind of behind the scenes and the actors and writers were saying it's kind of his ode to that era of Hollywood because this is kind of the era Quentin Tarantino grew up in and I kind of like, liked knowing that. That, d- that doesn't affect my review of it, but I kind of liked knowing that it's kind of his ode to that time in cinema where like, it really was like a turning block for the kind of cinema that there was. Um, very few uh, cons, because the cons I do have were repeated, they weren't repetitive it was kind of like a one and done thing and um, there's some scene setting aspects that took a little long like there, there's a lot of driving scenes of them listening to the music and you can catch like all these companies and brands and bright neon lights in the back but I didn't f- think it pulled it down I think that was kind of uh, purposeful I think it was just kind of trying to set the scene more but at times I felt, okay, we've seen Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt driving in this car for quite some time now. Um, the acting is fantastic, uh, Dick DiCaprio especially, um, Brad Pitt's really good. Of course, Anya just an amazing cast. It's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, uh, Kurt Russell, Al Pacino, and for the love of God, I cannot remember... His name, but there's this guy in the film that does a really spot-on Bruce Lee impression, and it was great. Um, the writing and dialogue, it, it, it always it always feels natural in a Tarantino movie to me. I feel like I could walk by these people, like in on like the street or something, and it would just be like they're having a conversation. Um, and although this is, I wrote this in my notes, it's one of the tamest Tarantino films I've seen. Some would say, oh, but the ending's really intense. Yeah, but it's more or less one scene that has a lot of action. So it, is, it does kind of round up to be, or round out to be one of his tamer films. Um, but the action and fight scenes that are in it are amazing. There's a fight scene where Brad Pitt fights the Bruce Lee um, impersonator. When I say impersonator, I mean the guy that is playing Bruce Lee. Um, it's it's really good, and then the final, uh, like the later half of the third act, has an amazing, fa- uh, not so much a fight scene, it's more of a, I don't want, I'm not, I'm not spoiling it here, but more of a, a massacre scene. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's really good. It, it, it's Tarantino. I mean, um, yeah, there's not really much to dislike about this film. Okay, so. For my next pick, for number six, I'm expecting those people to hate me for putting it low, but I want to say two things. One, all the movies on this list from 10 to 1 are fantastic, and anyone who just enjoys good movies or wants to watch something good that isn't just surface level bubblegum garbage, um, some blockbusters that we get all, all the time. Um, I definitely recommend you check all of the, all these out. Um, but my number six pick is Avengers Endgame, and I know people will be like, it was the best movie of 2019. I know, I know, but I'll go over my gripes with it first just so that you can kind of get my understanding. It, um, I- I'm sure you could probably guess by it, or I, I think most people seen it by now. And That's not me saying I'm spoiling it, but, the events in Avengers Endgame slightly undermine the ending of Avengers Infinity War. And yeah, I think we all knew that it was necessary. You can't really have those characters not continue being in this franchise. They're all, I'm sure, worth like over a billion dollars at this point. That's probably an understatement. I'm not great at math, but um yeah, it it kind of I always like to say Infinity War kind of stood out from other superhero movies because it's like they don't actually win. I remember that was like my reaction in the theater too when I saw it. Like, holy crap, they just lost. I can't remember the last time we saw an ending like that in a superhero movie. Uh, So it kind of undermines that. Not to the point where it completely ruins the purpose of Infinity War, just to the point where you might kind of go, well, alright. and also, another comparison to Infinity War there's a scene in which all the female superheroes, and there's like a lot more this time. There was three in the Infinity War scene, and I, I, I didn't count. I think it was like maybe close to 20, um, where they, they all kind of team up on the battlefield. Here's my problem with this. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love progressive, like empowering female. Representation movies. We'll, we'll get to one that I think does a really good job. But the, I like the Infinity War all lady scene, but to repeat it and then multiply it by ten, that's not an exact number, that's just more of a metaphor. It just it didn't sit right with me. And um, also, didn't make sense. I are we tr- are we supposed to believe that all the guys are doing something else, like they really don't need the help? Or it, it just it doesn't make s- it makes sense from Disney trying to be really woke and trying to really be uh, progressive and empowering. And hey, kudos to you, Disney. Um, continue with that. Maybe don't repeat it though in a direct sequel, because then we kind of it seems a little forced. All right. Uh, <laughs> enough about the cons? Pros. Um, fantastic action. Um, I love re-watching the portal scene. The first thing I actually did when we got Disney Plus is I just wanted to watch the portal scene on a big screen. That's uh, so cool. Um, it's an amazing franchise finale. Um, you can definitely tell that just so many things have been leading up to this moment, so many things have been leading up to this movie, and the characters and the writing definitely um, Kind of carry that tone. They carry those scenes with them. Um, the the acting is really good. Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans kind of stand out. But um, I know kind of no one. It's weird when you think about Marvel movies. You don't really ever think of the acting, um, which is kind of a shame. I mean, it's I mean except for me. Some of the more forgettable villains from other films like Malekith from Thor: The Dark World or the other forgettable ones that I'm forgetting, um, there aren't many bad actors, I mean, they're all usually veterans, um, when I say veterans, I mean like kind of veteran actors, they've been in the field for a while, um, yeah, they're all good actors, I don't know why they don't get more praise and credit, um, and the emotional ending, well, maybe just like the ending in general, it was emotional to me, just because of how much these characters meant to me, that feeling that it—it's over. Like wow. But it wrapped up really well. If they stopped making MCU MCU movies, which of course they won't—they're making billions. Um, but if that was the last one, I would have been fine with that. Yeah, it—it it was a natural ending. All right, number five, I've got John Wick 3, Parabellum. I called it Parabellum the first time I saw it. I I don't think anyone corrected me. I think I was just watching a video and they called it Parabellum. So either I'm wrong and was thinking of a math term or they were maybe British and saying it in a British way. Ah, Moving on, Um, my cons were rather minor. Kind of, so, in each of the John Wick films, the kind of mythos of this, like, secret hitman-assassin organization has been growing more and more. However, it kind of, it's growing a little much. There's all this talk of, like, the council and the ancient one and stuff like that. It seems like, it seemed like this was more of a movie that Keanu Reeves would star in the 90s that was just kind of a bubblegum uh, film. Um... But not to the point where it really like deteriorated from the seriousness of it, um, and at times the motivation of the characters, including Mr. Wick himself, seemed to change without much influence. Yeah, I mean, nothing too crazy, um, but the action is fantastic, um, I'm going to blab about the action so I'll, get, I'll make sure I have the other things too, the acting is great. Uh, um, Keanu Reeves is is great I know some people have the complaint or you can only do one person Well, yeah, but that person if that is the case is John Wick he embodies it, you can tell that he is kind of eating up this role um uh, it's a great continuation in my opinion, they've just been getting better I cannot wait for the sequel because it was set up to have a sequel I can't personally wait for that. Um, uh, the cinematography feels uh, uh, natural with the action. The camera follows it, and um, it works so well because it perfectly establishes the tone and the severity and the stakes. There's some, there is some humor. I think this is the funniest John Wick film yet, but it doesn't deteriorate it. It's not like kind of humor to the point of the Last Jedi. Not that I think that's a bad film, I just think that kind of, they really tried kind of too much funny business, too much humor. Um, but it, it feels, they balance it out well, and it feels natural here. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great, if you haven't seen, you do have to watch the first two to really get it. There are a lot of references, not just references, but it, it is a continuation, it is a fluent series. Moving on to number four, we have Booksmart. I actually watched this one, I think it was last weekend? It was on Hulu, and I don't know actually anything about the the behind-the-scenes stuff, but I worked at our town's movie theater uh, last summer when Booksmart was playing, and I could probably fit all the people that went and saw it probably in my tiny college dorm-sized room. Um, Unfortunately, the marketing for it wasn't that great. It wasn't marketed, which I can't admire. Whenever I see a film marketed too much, I always then question the quality. And more often than not, I'm right to question it when they have to market it that much. But then it did so poorly, we had to kind of resell it in a way for five bucks a ticket. like to see a movie. I know some people don't to see movies, but five bucks isn't that much, and you're seeing a movie in a really nice theater. But still, not many people came and saw it. Um, probably just the same amount, it was kind of a bummer. So then when I watched it, I went, oh my god, why haven't more people seen this? It- it's great. Um... So it's it's a high school drama, and don't call it a female super bad. That's kind of undermining it. You're kind of just saying, oh, it's just a female version. No, no. Booksmart is its own thing. Let's just get that out of the way. I like super bad. Uh, Michael Cera and Jonah Hill have really good chemistry in it, and the writing's actually funny. Um, but this is not just a female super bad. There are similar things, yes, but if all we did was call things by like what they're like, then then Star Wars would just be called less scientific Star Trek. Um, The only things I didn't like about it were, it seemed a little cliché and outrageous in kind of the high schoolers, not so much their characters and writing, but their actions at a point where like they're spray-painting the lockers, throwing water-filled condoms. Um, It is very raunchy for anyone who doesn't know details, but it um, is very raunchy, so uh, another kind of aspect similar to super Superbad. Um, and there was, kind of, the characters had that kind of, like, falling apart before the final climax cliché, um, although it was predictable, it, it felt natural, like, you could understand where it was coming from, it wasn't all of a sudden. Hey, I don't like you because of something that happened in the last 10 seconds. No, no, it, it, it felt good. It felt like it was actually coming from somewhere. Okay, so I guess that was kind of a pro, but pros, amazing female representation. I've asked my other uh, female movie buffs, and they said it was really good too. They, um, like, I, I felt empowered. I, I felt like a powerful woman uh, after watching it. And. It, Great um, representation in the homosexual community, community too. One of the main characters um, is homosexual, and they didn't really play it. It wasn't played as a joke. It wasn't played as a stereotype. It felt real. It felt natural. It just felt part of her character, and I, I, I love that. I, I think it's great. Um, the characters are so believable, and the writing's believable and great. Um, the soundtrack's really good. I don't listen to kind of like heavy hip-hop and rap and that probably makes me sound like I'm in my late 30s hating on the current generation but just not my kind of style of music but I can always appreciate when even songs like that can like aid a good soundtrack and this had a really good soundtrack and it was super funny I laughed a lot there's still some scenes that I just think about and I kind of start cracking up um it's great probably one of the best films I've seen if you want to talk about female representation and empowerment, use Booksmart. Booksmart does it really well. Um, hmm, I should make another episode about female re- representation. I probably shouldn't be saying all my inner thoughts because that just makes us longer and you're not here for my inner thoughts, you're here for my top ten. So let's move on. Number three is Man. Um, Rocketman is the biopic film about Elton John with Taryn Edgerton playing the titular role as, uh, Mr. I never actually heard anyone call him Mr. John. Mr. Elton, I guess. Um, the only thing I didn't like about this... And I'll just get this out of the way because I'm about to go on about how much I love this movie. Um, every now and then, which I think it was, they were trying to like make it as realistic as possible, there would like be a conflict that came out of nowhere between characters. Nothing too major, just like, oh, I think we need some time. I was like, where is this coming from? But it only happened a couple times, so not a huge complaint. But this is one of the best, if not the best, biopic I've seen and I've seen stuff like Walk the Line I've seen stuff like Bohemian Rhapsody but this does it so well and it's it's a musical I know a lot of people now won't go see it or won't even think about it because it's a musical but it's really good because it's not just he's sitting at a piano um, like playing a song he's getting up the rest of the restaurant is like dancing with him or something that's not Actually, a scene that happens. Um, that's just something that came into my mind. But it, the choreography is amazing. The dance numbers clearly had so much time and effort put into them. The lighting's amazing. And Taryn Edgerton actually sings everything. One of my main complaints with Bohemian Rhapsody is that Rami Malik didn't sing a single word, it was all lip synced. And that really bugged me because it felt disrespectful but probably because Elton John himself worked on the movie, helped them make the movie, um, Taron Egerton probably had, like, a voice coach from that, and he was amazing, and he's not just, although he is trying to sound like Elton John, you can, like, tell the, the differences, but you don't mind, because he puts, not necessarily a spin on it, but he makes it his own thing, gives it, like, his own little spice, like, his own little flair to it, and it's great, um, it's amazing, if you love Ellen John, or if you love musicals, or if you love just a great emotional story, and definitely check this one out, it's great, very emotional too, it'll kind of get you in the gut a couple of times, uh, times, alright, number two, Knives Out, I've actually went and I saw this film twice, because it was so good, I convinced a friend of mine to go see it, um... And can you guess what my con is with it? Drum roll, doo, joke characters. <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this one. When a character serves no purpose in your plot than to make a joke, don't have them in it. And this isn't a kid's movie, so can't really get away with that aspect of it. It is a murder mystery. It's not like a Tarantino film, it's not R, but it is intended for a more mature audience. <laughs> it's honestly one of the only things keeping this movie away from a masterpiece, um, I think it's fantastic, um, the dialogue and acting is amazing, it has quite the cast, you have Daniel Craig, you have Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, you have all the people whose names I can't remember, um, but they're all amazing, um, the cinematography is really good, just, like, the angles that they're shot at and the editing style, it's really unique, and feels good, it feels natural, there's, there's a warmth to it all, like, and it's almost like you're sitting down by, like, a warm fire, like, just, like, drinking some, like, hot cocoa, like, there's a warmness, even though it's about murder mystery and, like, who done it and all, um, the costumes are really great, there are a lot of sweaters, I noticed that in my second watch, a lot of the characters wear sweaters, really cool-looking sweaters that fit the people, but, winners, yeah, um, and it's a great murder mystery, I always like it when they reinvent a, kind of, not reinvent, but they make a film of a genre that might have been dying out, but make it more accessible to modern audiences, and I feel this did that for kind of a murder mystery, or even just like, the mystery genre, it, it's, it's so good, I lo- I'd love to rewatch it again. Definitely go check this out. And maybe I should do some honorable mentions. Yeah, let's do that before we get to the number one. I only have two since I only initially wrote down 12 movies I really liked of 2019 and just kind of took out the last two. Um, honorable mention number one How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World. I really like the How to Train Your Dragon movies. I'll probably talk about animated movies sometime in the future. But um, this was really good. It wasn't quite as good as the others. I described it to my friends as kind of like the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, The third one is good, and a good finale. It wraps up everything up in like a nice little bow, but it's just not as good as the others. Um, Many joke characters, and the villain just wasn't as good, but really good. Again, you should check it out. And Shazam. I watched that one recently, too. I got it from our library. And it was really good. I was surprised, like, this was, this came from the same people who gave us Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. It's really good, and it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. It feels like its own thing. It feels like big with superpowers. Who doesn't want to watch that? Um, the ending is my least favorite part. I won't spoil it, but I will say it's one of those endings where it undermines the pro- the main characters arc and struggle through it all kind of like how kung fu panda 3 is if you've seen the ending for either of those i think you'll kind of get it but if not check it out it's a really good film kind of until like the ending but yeah uh, those are my honorable mentions and my number one film for 2019 and one of my new favorites is the irishman Uh, I wish I could like insert Irishman theme here because it's really good and every now and then I'll just like pop the Irishman theme on and just listen to it. It's really good. Um, My only con actually is more of a pro. Um, It felt very familiar. It felt to me like kind of a mix of Scarface, The Godfather, and Goodfellas. Blend that together, add de-aging technology. Um, the budget behind a Netflix original, and Martin Scorsese, and some of the three best actors of all time in Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci, and you have The Irishman. It is amazing. It is three and a half hours, so just kind of brace yourself with that. I'm kind of used to movies being pretty long. I own the extended versions of all the the Lord of the Rings films, but it it is long. Don't listen to anyone who says watch it in a mini-series. Um, no. If you're supposed to watch it as a mini-series, it would be done in a mini-series. Watch it in one setting, if possible, or two. Maybe just, like, split it in half. Um, But I love it. It's just another Myron Scorsese does it again, another great take on organized crime in America, with kind of a focus on like people with Irish and Italian heritage. Um, Everything about this movie is amazing. The acting, the dialogue, the writing, the de-aging effects. um, It's fantastic. The cinematography, the music. I love the theme. And what I love about this is that it does kind of take up the last half hour, so people might say it feels like unnecessary. But we actually see the after-effects of the gangster life on, like, the main character. And it, it hits home. Because, I mean, what can you kind of tell me about, um, I'm thinking of, like, I don't know, like, Michael Corleone after he's kind of stopped being a gangster. Well, not much. We don't really know what happened with his senior years. But this actually tells us. Um, I don't know what year kind of wraps around it. And I probably should have been paying attention but it's an emotional ending and it's just filled with kind of loneliness and despair and there's a hopelessness to it that we haven't seen before and it's so good watch the irishman if you have netflix and three and a half hours to spare and that was my video of the top 10 uh best movies of 2019 uh thanks for listening if you did listen all the way through be sure to kind of If you think you know anyone who would like this podcast, be sure to share it with them, and thanks so much.